Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Persuasion by the Pint. I'm Jonathan Taylor, along with Sean McCool. Sean, today we got a fun one. We got a, um, a flight, flight of persuasion. We should have done this yes. on St. Patty's Day yesterday. We could have had a flight of green beers sitting yeah. in front of us. Yeah, because I, I just have a fridge full of green beer <laughs> laying around. Hey, you got food coloring, right? You yeah, can make it that's happen. True. I don't know how you dye a stout <laughs> green. Seems like that would take an awful lot of food coloring. It would. It might affect the taste a little bit. Yeah, um, but needless to say, we will, uh, the day after St. Patty's Day, we've got some great topics to discuss. We're going to be talking about selling with stories. Um, yep. you've got, we've got, you've got some things on Ikea, how they make you buy more stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> Ikea, we've got aliens, we've got, um, I don't know if it's, I wouldn't say overpriced, but we've got a very, not very expensive. We got an expensive book and we'll, I'm going to throw it out there, see what people think about it. So it does some cool things. So it's a kind of a gimmick type book. Great lesson. If you want to, if you want to market a book as a luxury, really, good. yeah. As you, as a premium product, this is the way right. to do it. This is the way yeah. to do it. Um, obviously not something you want to do if you're trying to make a bestseller probably, <laughs> but who knows, you know, if it ever catches the right viral moment, who knows? Yeah. But we'll talk about that. Um, so yeah, we've got just a kind of a flight. We'll be heaviest on the selling with story and then we'll hit these others kind of quickly. Yep. Absolutely. The second half of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but first, before we do that, yeah, we got some beverages from Ohio. From Ohio. One that is, well, I don't know about yours, but mine is poorly lacking in, in advertising and marketing and, and promotion. Yeah, mine's of not great. <laughs> yeah, mine's not great either. But we got these beers from Rivalry Brews. They're not right. a sponsor or anything. But if you're like us and you have a hard time finding something new to drink, uh, the rivalrybrews.com, you can get a bunch of beers that are from the kind of Ohio Midwest area. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where we've been getting the last, I don't know, last six episodes or so. Yeah worth of beers have come from there. So you just go on the, go on their site, hit beer styles and whatever your fancy IPAs, ales, blondes, Pilsners, Belgians, Porter Stouts, whatever. They're all, they're all there. So it's a pretty cool site to, to kind of get They've a craft something, brew that's not in your area. Something for everyone. Yeah. So what are you having? You're having uh Unplugged brewing, right? Tell, tell us, tell us about that, Jonathan. I wish I could. I wish I could. They have failed to. Uh, so this one is an un, uh, from Unplugged uh, Brewing Company. This is a Buckeyes, a Buckeyes uh, peanut butter porter. Hold it up to the screen there, so the so our folks can see it. Yeah. Now I'm not Buckeyes. sure. <clears throat> they. I don't know if this is false advertising. But I am told on their can, this is 7.9% ABV. Okay. Yet when I go to the untapped uh, website, because I can't find any information on their website, because all they have is a buy button with yeah. no description of this beer. So I went over to untapped, and they're telling me it's 6, 6.4% ABV. So we'll say, yeah, so, you know, somewhere split the there. difference and say somewhere in between. <laughs> somewhere in there, 7%-ish. Yeah. 
What is a buckeye? I know it's it's a nut, right? It's a a nut. buckeye. Yep. Is it like a giant acorn or something? I don't. Yep. I don't remember without the without the cap on it. Exactly. That's what it looks exactly. like. It's like a giant acorn that doesn't have the little beret the, on top of it. The absolute worst mascot ever invented. <laughs> I don't know who came up with the idea of hey, we're going to have a nut for our mascot. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of weird. <laughs> I mean, do they? Do you, do you eat them? Like, I don't know what they're used for. Apparently you're about to drink one. I'm so we'll to drink find it. out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I guess that's kind of a nutty taste as beers, which you're about to have. I don't know. We'll it's a out. pea nut. I don't know if it's a pea buck nut. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Or buckeye. It's or got whatever. pictures of buckeyes on it. It does. On the can. It does. So. But this All is right, a, well, uh, just to give you a description, it is a peanut butter and cocoa porter. I can't wait because those are two of my peanut favorite butter. things. If you yeah, like peanut good. butter. It's like a Reese's cup in a can. Absolutely. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So you can't right, well, mine's from mine's from Masthead Brewing Company uh, in Cleveland, Ohio. And it is a single origin coffee stout. Mm-hmm. Oh, So this is pretty regularly one of my favorite types of beers is a coffee stout. Mm-hmm. So I do like a good coffee stout. Um, This says, we partnered with our friends at Six Shooter Coffee to bring you this mashup of our two favorite beverages. The lightly roasted Ethiopian Guji coffee beans used in this beer bring flavors and aromas of berry and cocoa that pair perfectly with the roasty notes from the stout. 6.9%, 30 IBUs. So Mm. we'll see. Sounds delicious. Guess we don't have to write our scores since we're doing different stuff. So we'll just, right. right, Cheers. Nice and dark. Let me hit that button here. There it is. I got to tell you the aroma when I push, first put this up, this sounds or smells amazing. It sounds amazing too. Mm, Wow. Mm. <laughs> it's not the best face. <laughs> you know, if you're going to call yourself a peanut butter chocolate porter, then I would think you, you would have some taste of peanut butter in there, but I don't t- taste much of any peanut butter at all. Yeah. It's mostly well, in, dark chocolate. In the fence, it just says peanut, right? It doesn't say peanut butter. <laughs> this says, um, it says peanut butter and cocoa okay. porter at the very bottom. Huh. Buckeyes, peanut peanut butter and cocoa porter. Yeah. Well, Sorry, maybe I don't that's taste why it. they maybe that's why they decided not to write a description for it. It was like, yeah, it didn't turn out quite the way we thought. Send it on. Ship it. <laughs> that's right. There's so, a lesson. There's a lesson there too. Just just ship it. Just ship it. Well, I yeah. got a I got a lesson for them. <laughs> Don't, it's called don't ship the, it twice. Five pint rating. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, mine's uh, mine's pretty good. I, it's interesting. I don't know if it's biased, but when I read that and they said with um, coffee beans, let's see, and aromas of berry and cocoa, the berry was kind of shocking, but I do think I taste it. But now I don't know if I was primed to taste it or if it's really there. So I'm confused. But anyway, still it's good. Mine's good. Okay. 
Give us your so is yours just not good or is it just a letdown because you're a, expecting something else? It's okay, but there's a little bit, there's going to get a little bit of a de- deduction because I don't right. taste peanut butter. Okay, that's fair. I mean, you can't um, say you're a peanut butter beer and then not give you peanut butter. That's part of it. And I, mean, I got to take, whole- I got to take all the factors in. I got to say, I looked at their website, no description whatsoever. Tiny, yeah. uh, their can's not that uh, overly impressive in terms of description, no copy yeah. whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And um, I got to tell you, Buckeyes too. I, I'm not a big fan of Buckeyes either. So <laughs> they got a lot of things working against them right now. Ooh, that's going to be rough. I'm going to give this one, I, I'm going to go ahead and give it a two, yeah. a two seven Ooh. on this one. Wow. Two seven. Yeah, it's 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 okay. It's yeah, not, not very good. It's just just above fifty percent there on the scale. Yep, so. two seven. Mine is actually good. Um it's what I would expect this coffee stout to be. It does have a little bit of that um something going on. But it's almost I think it's more the Ethiopian coffee now that I think about it, because it did say Ethiopian, which has a little bit more mm-hmm. that acidic taste to it. So I think that's what I'm tasting. So I'm gonna give this a Four, three. It's pretty good. Four, three. Huh? You got a good, rich coffee taste. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I like it. like it a lot. I'm glad I got two of these. Oh, man. I got to look right. in my stash to see. I grabbed these first thing this morning, brought them over to the office. So, I think I think I got, I think I got that one, too, in the pantry. So, I'll double check. Yeah. We'll just forget my rating then. I'll erase it from my mind. Yes. Zap me. Wipe me clean. I don't know. I don't hear that. All right. All right. So we're going to be talking. Do I have this? No, I don't have anything pulled up for this one. Mm -mm. Sorry. Um, So, yeah, let's jump in. We're going to talk. I guess we'll talk uh, story selling to begin with from a book called uh, Sell with Story. I think Sean and I teased this book. Um, I'm not, I'm going to hit a couple of highlights from me that stand out, uh, okay. in terms of selling. And this is really the whole purpose of this book. Um, the author's got a couple of books related to, uh, stories, Paul Smith. He's got one that you referenced lead with story. Right. And, which is, um, I think that was his first book. Yep. Exactly. And it was about, it was about leading like a business or an organization kind of from a CEO or management place right? and how to use stories to get buy-in and all of those kind of things. Absolutely. Which so, is obviously an important part of persuasion and mm-hmm. things like that, motivating your team, persuading your team. But today we're going to be talking about his second book, which yes. is selling. Selling with story and building, building rapport, which is one of the most important things if you're doing B2B selling, face-to-face selling is to have a story, okay? You don't go mm-hmm. in and just sell um, features and benefits. You don't sell all of the, you don't use the traditional means of selling. Today, you've got to build rapport before you offer the value. And he's got it broken down. There's a lot, of, there's different stories that you can incorporate into your arsenal. And I recommend anybody out there that is in face-to-face or B2B sales to come up with like your own portfolio or your own little arsenal of stories out there that you can use in different situations. Um, well, I'm excited to hear this because, and hear your take, because this is one of the things that I struggled with when I did in-home sales. Mm-hmm. Um, there were guys that were in the same company I was in selling the same product. And these guys could go in and build rapport for like two hours before yeah. they even started their pitch. Mm-hmm. And like, just, I mean, there's this one guy, he would go into 
people's houses, you know, 15, 20 minutes, he's doing the rapport building and warm up. Yeah. You know, he'd use whatever's on the walls or whatever. And then he would literally just get up from the kitchen table and he'd be like, so where's the glasses? And they'd be like that cabinet over there. He's like, great. Ice in the freezer. They're like, yeah. It's like, what do we got to drink? Y'all want anything? I mean, the dude would just take over. It take was amazing. Over it was amazing to watch. And they just kept going with it. Yeah. But that's not what we're talking about. Oh, no, but, no. That's it. He probably was very charismatic, too. To, I mean, he was very charismatic, good yeah. with stories. Yeah. Um, that was something I always struggled with. Right. So I would definitely need what you're talking about to have a, a set of stories. And that's mm-hmm. something I didn't know back then. I was in my late 20s at that point. Yep. So I just didn't have that arsenal of stuff back then. I think that every, anybody, and you, it's hard to come up with these stories on the fly and I would recommend anybody out there because we're, people are forgetful, especially as you get older, is to either keep a record or like record on your iPhone. I use Evernote a lot. If you can use the audio, you can use even use the audio recording app on Evernote. I love Evernote because I keep everything. My whole brain is in Evernote. Yeah. And so all of the things like passwords and things that I need to remember are secure on Evernote. If it ever goes upside, if it ever crashes or Evernote... <laughs> goes under, I'm in trouble because I rely heavily on Evernote, but I put a lot of, I'll record like, um, little notes to myself. I'll put stories, I'll put ideas for books and things like that. Those are all separated on that. But if you, if you're in sales, it's a good to have a good, like, um, portfolio or a little journal of stories that happen in your life that you can utilize. And, uh, and that you can relate to certain situations, find out how those stories relate to what you would, uh, you know, you would be marketing. So, um, and here's an idea. He gives a a list of five, um, five different stories. It is, um, turn this off here. Uh, the first is a, why I do what I do story, right? Why, you know, we always start with why the, the, that classic book is start with why, um, why you're doing, why you're in the industry that you're in, why you're, you're an advocate for the product or the service that you are. And origin stories are wonderful. People love origin stories. Um, I was listening to Dan Kennedy this week. He says uh, <clears throat> he's one of those big fans of comics. He's like, read comics, you know, go out and read a whole bunch of comics. You know, every superhero or every, you know, comic book, Character. No, comic books. I thought you meant like comedians. Oh no. <laughs> well, you probably get some lessons from those yeah, too. But sure um, but yeah, the old you know the old classic Marvel comics. If you go to a yeah. you know nowadays used to you could go to a you know a bookstore or a uh, I guess you could probably still get them at a bookstore, but uh, at a drugstore or something like that. Nowadays you have to go almost go to a comic store. But the idea is that you know every person, every origin, there's a story for everyone every superhero, how they became who they are today. And so sometimes you have to create, you know, create those origin stories of why you were in. And a lot of, if you look at all the great marketers, the uh, Dan Kennedy, the, um, you know, the people that were so good at speaking, Zig Ziglar, you know, every Mm -hmm. one of them would tell their origin stories, how they got into the business. Right. And those are so memorable because that's, and they were just so, I mean, it was like off the tongue every time they could just tell the same stories about how they, uh, yeah, another one, who they were. Another one that comes to mind that's more recent is Brendan Burchard. 
Oh yeah. That's a he's great got two story. stories that he just tells over and over. He's got yeah. the car wreck, the car wreck. Story, you know, yeah. And then he's standing on the hood and he's like, did I love, did I, did I matter? Yeah. Um, and then he's got the one where he's in his room, his wife's in bed and the bills are piled yeah. over the top of her, literally under the weight of his bills. Like yeah. those two stories those are like, are, those are, yeah, those are memorable. His, his key, like mm-hmm. that's his origin story. And then his like turning point story. Yep. Oh yeah. So yeah, every good speaker, uh, I would say if you're, you know, obviously if you're a professional speaker, always listen to their stories because those are there. Every great speaker out there has an origin story of why they're doing what they do. You know, Tony Robbins, he's got his own, uh, story, uh, rich yep. dad, poor dad, Robert Kiyosaki, you know, he had a poor dad. Um, then he had a rich dad, you know, his poor dad told him this and his rich dad, Uh, said this, you know, so that's, that's his own personal story that he uses and it's in everything. (laughs) I mean, books, everything. Um, it's funny. Like, I remember him, you know, he's got the story of when they tried to make nickels, him and his buddy tried to, Mm -hmm. you know, pour and make nickels. So, um, Tony Robbins has got the story when he, you know, he's overweight and he was frustrated and he went out and ran for like two hours straight or something Mm -hmm. like you know, which is Absolutely. his turning point, right. his turning point story, yep. rock bottom story. Dave Ramsey story. Yeah. You know, yeah. he went bankrupt, you know, and yep. he, he, you know, he, he over leveraged himself, uh, in real estate. Uh, the bank called his loans. He lost everything, drove around yep. in a beater for like, you know, two years, people made fun of him, you know, but he's like, he was, laser focused on what he wanted to do. He's like, I'm not doing that again. And so that was a great story. You know, all of those have origin stories. And so even in sales or marketing, if you're doing any kind of sales, you need to have the origin story. Another one is the, I'll tell you, I'll tell you when I can help you story. Uh, Hmm. Those are always good because sometimes you can't help somebody, right? Sometimes if you, if you go at sales from a, a physician standpoint with that physician mindset that you're, uh, you're looking at that, you're making an assessment and that's how you should be selling. You shouldn't try to sell your product before you know the diagnosis. You gotta get the diagnosis first, right? So you tell them when you can help them and you incorporate a story of when you can help them. And I use these a lot in, um, you know, in my industry, Here's what I can help you with. And here's what I'm, I'm not going to be able to, cause that's going to end the conversation right there. And here's some examples, had a conversation with someone, uh, this morning on a podcast that was actually, um, a potential customer, you know, or potential client afterward. And I shared a story. Here's I, here's where I helped someone. He was a manufacturer. He owned a manufacturing business up in the Northeast. We talked about how to cost savings with, um, raw materials. He explained his situation. And I said, here's, here's a similar situation that I dealt with about three months ago, a manufacturer down in Miami that was going through the very, a very similar thing to what you're dealing with and looking to lower the weight of their product, the cost of their product, um, because shipping rates are going up. Here's a, th- you know, here's an idea for you. Cause they were in the same situation. Now, when you always say, here's a similar situation to you. That's where their ears perk up. This guy is kind of in a similar situation to what you're going through. Right. Um, because that, and it's, it, and it's a form of social proof because it's, it's something you did for somebody else who might mm-hmm. be like them. Yep. And, and, and one of the things, one of the greatest kind of lessons I've learned in, 
in copy or in marketing in general is the idea that everybody's asking this question, whether they know it or not subconsciously Mm -hmm. or, or not, am I the type of person that buys something like this? Yeah. Like that's the question always going on in a, in a buyer's mind yep, or potential exactly. buyer's mind. Am I the type of person that buys a product like this? Like, right. in other words, is it right for me? So when you say, Hey, here's a similar story mm-hmm. or here's a similar situation. It's like, Oh yeah. Somebody else has already tried this out. Right. He wouldn't be telling me about it if it didn't work. Absolutely. Like, there's so much goes on like in an instant when you say that, mm-hmm. that, you know, maybe he's cherry picking, maybe he's not, but worked for at least one other person. So there's a lot of assumptions that start taking place and all that kind of stuff. Yep. And and notice I didn't say, here's how I helped someone. I didn't jump right into what I did right away. You know, trying to say, here's how I, here's what I did. I said, here's what somebody who's similar to yourself, he had a similar situation and here's what we did. And I don't know if this will, you know, the other thing is, I don't know if this will work for you, but it certainly worked for him. So you're not trying to like, you're not guaranteeing, but you're also saying, I, you know, this worked in his situation. So you're letting them ultimately make the ultimate judgment to move forward, which. Yeah. And and if it's a complex sale, that's, that's true, right? You don't know the details yet. Exactly. It also adds a little bit of takeaway selling. Exactly. And and people want it. It's like, I don't know if I can help you, but. They're like, what do you mean? You just yep. told me this story. You got to help me. <laughs> yeah. And, and takeaway sellings, we should, we could do a whole episode on takeaway selling oh, because sure. I have, in, I have, and there's areas in industrial sales, you should be doing it. And again, we go back to the thing where the guy says, well, that'll, that won't work in my business. Trust me, it'll work in every business. And I've yeah. used it time and time again. Um, because the last thing you want to do is beg for business. You want to make them, you want to make your takeaway sellings where your prospect is trying to qualify themselves for what you do. And, uh, and that's another great lesson is to say, well, before we can move forward, I'll need you to send me some information and, uh, qualify yourself. Tell me a little more about what you do. Send me the specs on what you do and we'll see if we can help you, you know? Um, you know, it's, it's done all the time. You know, the high end salespeople, it's like, it's like an art <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> making, making customers qualify themselves. Yeah. Um, there's, yeah. There's companies that have a whole series of hoops you have to jump through. Yeah. Yeah. Know. And especially in the luxury, so, you know, in industrial sales, it's a little more, you can do it. It's a little more challenging in the high end type markets where luxury vehicles and, uh, you know, luxury real estate, um, it's, I mean, you can do it a whole lot there. Make people. Yeah, I've heard. I don't know. If, I don't know if it's true, but I've heard that Ferrari. You cannot buy a new Ferrari on your first Ferrari. Yeah, you have to buy a used or a like yep. a two-year turn-in. That's right. Before you can buy your right a new one, <laughs> which is just like so counterintuitive. But what does that do? It makes yeah, you. Like, it, it yeah. It makes you want. It's that scarcity yeah. approach. It makes you want to be a part of that. Yeah, be a uh, part, part of that, that club. Yep. Okay, it's the uh, the uh, another story he talks about is um, uh, I'll tell you when I make when I've made a mistake story. So that's showing you your vulnerability. You know that you're not perfect. You know you're not over promising the moon. So you'll say and and I think people that's it's a persuasive aspect because uh, people like someone who you're kind of getting a, you're kind of getting your 
um, your vulnerabilities out to begin with and kind of, you know, because he's, so when you do that, they know you're not perfect, obviously. So here's where I've made a mistake in the past and I'm, I'm as subject to making mistakes as anybody else. You know, I've dropped the ball. I'm not perfect, you know, but I'll try to go to bat for you. If I've made a mistake, I'll try to come back and here's a situation where, you know, um, and and there's, I have a, a, a catalog of those, you know, stories where I can share. I, I, you know, I told him, I told him it was going to be there in three days. It was a, the lead time was three days. And I, it was in a situation where it couldn't be for whatever reason. Um, it couldn't go out for seven days. So it, I was totally, um, like the lead time that I'd promised was totally different. And I made a mistake because I assumed and, you know, you don't ever assume. So, Talk about like, hey, I've made a mistake before, and I've told I've told some of our customers. So, what I've gotten in the uh, habit of is saying, you know, our lead time is seven to ten days, but oftentimes we can get it out before then. So that's a better yeah. that's a better way of handling that. So, and it and it sets when you do that, it sets realistic expectations mm-hmm. because when you make a sale, I mean, the fact is, people are they kind of put extra hopes on you. Yep that can be unrealistic sometimes Absolutely. yeah. because they need a problem solved. You come in, you're kind of the hero. So if you don't pull back a little bit and that's different than the takeaway selling, this is, this is, you know, kind of the business is in hand. Like yeah. it is a, it's a good way to kind of just not lower expectations, but set realistic expectations. Absolutely. That's a good one. So you got origin story. I'll tell you when I can help you. I'll tell mm-hmm. you when I've made a mistake story. What's number four? Number four is I'll go to bat for you. How my company will go to bat for you story. And then the fifth one, because there's, I've got an example of kind of two that fit within this. I'm not who you think I am story, right? That's a Ooh. good one. I'm not who yeah. you think I am story. I'm so, Batman. <laughs> <laughs> so one of my, I'm not who you think I am story. I share, I incorporate my podcast with a lot of my potential customers. I'm not a person who's out here to win your business but I also want to help you grow your business. And here's one way that we can do that. I'd like to give you some exposure because I do a podcast and, um, you know, because I benefit from your growth. Ultimately, I want to see your company uh, growing. And that's one of the things in marketing companies, I've always asked them, what do you do? So I try to, instead of just asking them, you know, how I can help you with my product. One of the lead questions I ask is what are you doing to grow your business and how, you know, tell me about that. Tell me about how you're advertising your company, how you're promoting your company. And sometimes they'll give me feedback. And, and a lot of times they're like, well, how do you know this stuff? And I said, well, I do, I, I study marketing too. I'm not just, you know, going back to the, I'm not who you think I am story. I'm not right. just some salesperson out there. I'm a yeah. marketer. I'm uh, I'm also do I'm a podcasting expert. I do uh, I do a number of pot industry podcast shows and here's where I think I could help you grow your business. And that's not necessarily pitching them on sponsorships or advertising. Sometimes it's like I'd love to invite you on the show. And so that's yeah. a relationship, that's a rapport building type exercise and I'll sometimes do that before offering to sell them something on the spot. It's a, you know, you build that relationship first and foremost through that. Well, it reminds me too, we've talked about the difference between Marvel and DC characters and how 
the Marvel characters tend to have a little bit more depth and more kind of human, like regular Joe type attributes about them. Absolutely. Yeah. So that number five really kind of makes me think of that difference. Like Mm -hmm. I'm not who you think I am. Like, yes, I'm a superhero, but I'm also this guy who's, you know, you know, quirky or whatever, depending on the character, like, you know? Yeah. So I think it, it adds a little bit of dimension. Yeah. Cause like you said, when you walk in, you're a salesperson. Yep. Yeah. So absolutely. And all this stuff, all these barriers go up, all these defenses go up. So if you can start working in some of these stories that you're also a podcaster in the industry and you help grow other businesses, it's also why we drop things like, you know, that you like to go camping and hiking or you're Mm -hmm. a Braves fan or, you know, you've told the Braves story before. Yep. Yep. Um, the baseball stories, like mm-hmm. all that stuff yeah, helps. It does. And there's so, there's so many versions of that fifth one that you could go in a lot of different directions oh, yeah. with that. And a lot of times when, when I mention the the podcasting, sometimes, you know, they're like, Whoa, I didn't know you did that. And I'll send them a link to it. And in some cases they're like, Oh my gosh, I've heard this show before. They're like, they don't think about it at first. And then they'll come back right. and say, wait a minute, I've heard this show before. I didn't know. And they're like, I didn't know that was you. And now you're, um, yeah, now you're a celebrity yeah, all of a sudden. Well, I tell the story of me going to the, um, some of these trade shows in my industry and I show up and you're thinking, you know, a tiny niche podcast in this industry gives you, I mean, you're like a, you know, you're the big fish in a small pond. You go to these trade shows and people are like, oh my gosh, there it is. Let me talk. You know, they're always call, coming up to you and, and talking to you and it's like, I hear your voice all the time and I just want to come up and shake your hand and meet you. And it's like. Small time celebrity status right there. It's, it's pretty cool. Um, absolutely. The other story I've got, and it ties into the, I'll go to bat for you story. And I used to use this one all the time and you got to come up with these, you got to craft these stories, but I always called it the dirty shoe story. So I had, I won an account one time based on the fact that I had dirty shoes. (laughs) The story is I went in helping this customer. They were a big manufacturer. They made these industrial buildings and I was trying to get their business. And this was like, this was probably 15 years ago, but I used to go in and I would try to help them. I would try to diagnose problems that they were having. And this one account, I went back to their manufacturing facility and they had some guys trying to work on a, one of these um, pumps that were pumping the material into their spray system. And they were having problems getting it worked. And I said, well, maybe I can help. And we, we kind of took it out. We took it apart. And I mean, I must have spent two hours helping them. I had always kept like a little small tool bag. And we took the thing apart, diagnosed it, put it back together, put it in, got it working. In the process, got resin, polyester resin, you know, on my hands. You know, you're cleaning it off. And then it spilled on my shoes and had dust and everything. And so I'm walking out of the plant at the end of the day. As I'm walking out, the owner of the company walks in as I'm almost about to exit the building. And he's like, oh, hey, how you doing? And he walked in and he goes, did these guys get this thing going? And I was like, yeah, we worked with them. And he looked down at my shoes and he's like, you're not like other salespeople. You know, some of these guys come in and like penny loafers or these, um, you know, shoes with the pressed pants and everything. Yeah. And they don't even touch a thing. They just kind of sit there and hand me a card and they walk out, you know, and tell me what to, they tell you what to do, but they don't show you what to do. Right. And, uh, so he was like, I've never seen a guy with shoes <laughs> that look like that. And they didn't look that bad before him, but they look really bad after. Cause I had the crap all over them. 
pretty yeah. much ruined a pair of shoes. He ended up giving me all the business. I, I won all the business there. But later on, he said, we were having lunch. And he goes, you know, the reason I bought from you is because I looked at your shoes. <laughs> he actually gets dirty. You know, this guy doesn't mind getting his hands dirty and helping yeah. customers like me. Um, yeah, that, and that actually fits four and five, right? Because it's yeah. also, not, it's, I'm not who you think I am. Like, I'm Absolutely. also, I'm also a guy, guy that can yeah. troubleshoot and roll your, yeah. carry carry a bag of tools with me like right. if needed absolutely so yeah that's that's a that's a great story so yeah. how would you how would you like if you needed to throw that story in how do you open up and start that story so i'm going to share the um how so it depends on which story you're using so are you talking about this one the one the yeah like let's just yeah just for instance the dirty shoe story okay the dirty shoe story so typically what you know you're you know, meeting a customer for lunch and, Mm -hmm. or you're meeting them for the first time. And, uh, you know, it comes up in conversation. First of all, you know, always keep the spotlight on the customer, you know, what they're doing, how, you know, what are some of their biggest problems, but, um, but then letting them know that, uh, you know, I always kind of hint the fact that I understand more about, uh, your process than you think I do. I'm not just some guy, some guy that specializes in selling this product. I try to look at myself as a physician or someone that, that diagnoses. And I said, I'm not going to sell you something you don't need. I'm going to look at a, from look at your situation from a uh, a consultant standpoint. Think of me as a consultant, not a salesperson. So I like to evaluate your whole process from start to finish. And I say, let me tell you some similar situations that I've been involved in. Dirty shoe story is one of them. I've I, I've done. There have been a number of those types of stories where you kind of fix their uh, manufacturing or their uh, production problems that they're having, and a lot of it has to do with equipment and things like that on the fly. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of those stories, but the dirty shoe story. The reason it sticks out is I actually had the customer tell me um, right. that was the reason he bought from me, and I say. Uh, I, in, in, you know, in telling them about how I go in and typically diagnose, you know, what you're doing from start to finish, I said, I can't make a rep recommendation until I see your process. Then that can, that gives me all the information I need. I said, I spend time, I'll get my hands dirty. I'll roll up my sleeves. Let me tell you about a story, you know, of one of my customers who's been with me for 15 years and he actually told me, he'll tell you, he bought from me because of my dirty shoes. And then you're like, dirty shoes, what do you mean by that? And then you just go yeah. start telling him the dirty shoe story. So <clears throat> it just makes, That's I cool. said, what dirty shoes? They bought from you because of your dirty shoes? No, nah. <laughs> it's because of, I, you know, I got my shoes dirty. I'm not afraid to get dirty. I'm not afraid to, to roll my sleeves up. So yeah, it's a great pattern interrupt. There's, yeah, there's a lot going Absolutely. on Absolutely. So you can, you can say, and then also um, through, uh, you know, when you just throw in the podcast, you know, I've helped customers uh, or I've helped customers grow their business and uh, they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, I'm not just somebody that's trying to sell you something. I'm out there trying to promote your business if I think, you know, there's a good fit. Well, how do you do that? Well, let me tell you about a podcast I do, you know, and then I start telling them, then I pull it up on the phone, show it to them, click on a play button. They hear it. They're like, and some of them are like, oh, wait, I know that show, you know? And then sometimes, yeah. you know, sometimes it's new to them, but it's like, like you said, pattern interruption, find ways to break the pattern that they're used to 
of people that come in, present, you know, do their spill. Um, they may have a story to sell, but they, you know what? It's like the old, you know, the old saying, all politics are local. Uh, everyone that buys, you have to think in a local, from a local, in a local framework. Every person that buys, you have to understand what their needs are and tell a story related to that. So, right. It's good stuff. Yeah. Um, I want to share this quick before we move on to the next topic. Let me okay. share kind of the framework that is used in the book. Let me share this here. Okay. There it is. All right. So this is the, this is kind of a little, and it's I don't know. See. Can you, can you make your window smaller? Is that, that good? works too. Okay. It's better. Um, <clears throat> so there's a, you start with the objective, main objective transition. Why should I listen to this story? This is the beginning. Then you want to get the context. So the transition is the hook. How do you grab them? Context is where and when did it take place? Who is the hero and what did they want? Other background needed uh, to understand the character's motivation. So remember the hero is always the customer. It's, it's or typically the client or the customer. Challenge, what was the problem or the opportunity? Conflict, what do they do about it? The honest struggle between the hero and the villain. And then the resolution, how did it turn out? And that's where you have, you know, if you can come up with a, a portfolio or just a little book of different, some different stories that you use that you can incorporate, it helped. But this is Paul Smith. I mean, this is his kind of his framework. And he uses, here's an example that you can use as an outline. And maybe I'll post it, but I, cut, I couldn't find anything to post on the screen. But he says in the book, below is, the, is a story spine for these examples. It says, I think the best examples I've seen of this was, and then you go back in the blank, at the blank, there was blank and, there, and they were trying to blank. <laughs> then one day, and then they blank, and then they blank. And eventually what I learned from this and what I think you could learn. So you kind of get the idea. You start out yeah. with the the context, where where it took place, who, you know, who they were and what they needed, uh, yep. what the problem was, and then you just lay it out, conflict and how you overcame it. So Yeah. Before you get rid of that screen, I want to try something. I want to mm-hmm. see what this what this little button does. Oh, okay, so that makes it a little bigger there. Interesting. Okay. Sorry for you listeners. I was uh playing with this dream yard layouts. All right. Well, let's, that's cool, man. There's, um, and it really is important to practice these stories. Yeah. One, one, you have to capture them. Like you're talking about whether you're using Evernote because you're, you're old. I think that the kids are using notion or something else these days. Um, but for us, Gen Xers, we like Evernote. Yeah. Um, but you got to learn to capture the stories and you got to learn to practice the stories mm-hmm. so that they come off nice and smooth and don't ramble on forever. Right. Like you need to, yeah, and, be, and then in, intuitively, yeah. I think you kind of know, you have to kind of know where to drop them in, mm-hmm. but you do need to practice them a little bit. Absolutely. To, to get them down. And, and you need to craft here. The thing I was mentioning earlier, all politics are local. The example of that, you need to craft your story to the person. Sometimes if you're in B2B selling, we we mistake the um, that the person whether if it's the purchasing manager and this has been my experience whether it's a purchasing manager or a plant manager that the story should always fit what's good for the organization and that's not always the case because just like all politics are local all sales are local and you have to understand 
who the like the, if you're selling to the purchasing agent um my experience is purchasing agents come and go purchasing managers come and go a lot of times they got one foot out the door they're yeah. uh they're either about to get fired or they're looking for the next big opportunity to move on so they a lot of times these people that are that you're selling to within the organization could care less about what the organ what's good for the organization unless you're selling to the owner of a company and, right. and that's that you know he cares about his bottom line he cares about uh, growing his business but a lot of these people that are below and it goes through kind of a multi-level uh approach right, you got the you know the floor managers you know the yeah. shop manager whatever yeah. you know that's in in there doing the work and absolutely if the machine breaks down he has a bad day right you got the purchasing manager who's more right looking at the numbers and the absolutely that kind of stuff and then you got the ceos kind of looking a little bit longer term long mm-hmm. range yep everybody's got their different mm-hmm. yeah and every organization will let a different one of those three make the choice yep on, exactly on the buy so so your challenge is always to look identify if it's the purchasing agent how they're how you're going to make how your story share an example of a story of how you've made other purchasing agents lives easier you know and when it comes to yeah. sourcing uh material or when it comes to making themselves, you know, saving the company money, uh, obviously through their, uh, through the, through a better source. Okay. Or giving them solutions on how to improve, how to make their life a whole lot easier. Uh, and you know, without being such a headache, you know, I've talked about it, um, in the past about, uh, creating solution or creating a system, like selling a system to them that is peace of mind system. So if you can sell peace of mind to these people who have headaches every day because somebody forgot to put the order in, um, you know, somebody forgot to put the order in and they got to do expedites. You know, I used to have customers that would do expedites because people would not put in the, uh, put the order in at the right time. Well, I went to a, um, this is a great story. This is a great way of, of incorporating a story. I went to a purchasing manager and I tallied up all the expedites they had for one year. And that tallied over $20,000 just in expedites alone that they had to do because wow. they were ordering at the last minute and it was costing them almost a thousand bucks at a time. And I went to him and I said, guess what? You're simply for not having a system set up in place uh, and not having some kind of technology that we could help you with that, that creates an alarm system whenever your containers get too low which we could do, we could do for you at a, at a higher, you know, a little bit higher cost, but you could have avoided, you can avoid $20,000 in expedite fees by simply incorporating this solution. And here's the reason, here's the story. <laughs> Let's look at the story of last year and how you yeah. gave me, uh, how you gave us about 20 expedites for the year that cost you a whole lot of money and we could eliminate that. So, and that's a great way to, you know, differentiate yourself if it's a commodity type product yeah. is to come up with something like that right. that you can offer. Yep. Some good stuff. Yeah. Let's, let's, uh, let's move on. Let's do a couple quick hits of kind of things that caught my attention okay. over the last couple of weeks. I, I have a, I don't use Evernote, but I have, um, I use it a little bit, but and this particular thing, I use just the, the notes tab on my iPhone to capture these types of things for mm-hmm. shows and things like that. So it's important that you're always, You've got some type of system to capture ideas. Absolutely. Yeah. 
So let me Quick. share the share the screen here again. Yeah, that gives us a little bit more viewing space that way. All right. So this is a it's called Greatness the Book. And I have no idea. I can't remember how I got here exactly. I've but seen their ads I, on oh, Facebook. This guy okay. used to run uh it's been a few months, but it seemed like it was back during the like maybe during the holidays. I used to see this guy's uh ad pop up on Facebook a lot. Yeah. So would he, you, and it, he would always start, would you pay a hundred dollars for this book? I, I just remember it. Yeah. So he's, um, <clears throat> he's got this book. It's called greatness. You can see it's intentionally like, it's got this very high end that, you know, high value type feel mm-hmm. to it or kind of luxury brand type feel to it. You know, plain white cover, which is the word greatness and lowercase on it. And you go through and you're reading it. He's got some great endorsements from famous people, you know, celebrity using the celebrity thing. And then the, like one of the, I noticed one of the first things he talks about is it's on a, it comes with a display easel. You're like, Whoa. Oh, wow. A book with a display. So that's, <laughs> that's different. You know, that is a little okay. unique. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, wow, this must, why would I want to display a book? Must be something about this book that I would want to display it. I don't know. Author signed, you know, a lot of people like signed copies of books. Sure. Um, and then I thought this one was really interesting. A sealed final chapter. Wow. So he's actually got the final chapter. He's got a piece of tape or a little, you know, round seal on it. Mm-hmm. It says, Dr. Cook has sealed the final chapter. So readers take the time to think before investing in the powerful and personal conclusion to greatness. Interesting. Wow. I'm like, that's, that's pretty, yeah, absolutely pointless, but it's very kind (laughs) of creative and cool too. At the same. It is, it is. It's uh, so it's curiosity. It it creates that curiosity. And it's like, it it makes you, it does make you like, okay, is this Mm -hmm. like really important or is this, you know? um, So yeah, I thought that was very interesting. And then you get to the price, it's a hundred bucks and you're like, Mm -hmm. whoa, I was expecting, you know, Fourteen ninety five, maybe twenty four ninety five, yeah. and then it's a hundred bucks even. Which we had a somebody on the show who, who told us that even number pricing actually has a higher mm-hmm. value yep. than than the ninety nines and ninety sevens that we're so used to. Yep. Um, so he he obviously read that study as well. So yeah, I thought that was just interesting. And you can't. I'm sure that I, you can't buy this on. <laughs> I'm sure on you can't Amazon. buy it on Amazon for sure. Yeah, there's no other way to get it. Yeah. So, um, I don't, I don't think you can, I didn't, I think I did check and it wasn't on there, Mm -hmm. but I just thought that was a very interesting, like he, you know, he's probably a coach, you know, so this, the book is kind of an entry point and somebody that's willing to spend a hundred bucks for a a book is probably a good, good client, good potential client anyway. Um, so I think he's like, he's probably not going to have a bestseller on his hand at a hundred dollars a copy. No. But that's not, but as, it's, it's the people that buy it are very highly qualified. People. Well, yeah, they're, if they're willing to spend a hundred dollars on a book, they're yeah. willing, they're investing. They know the value in, of investing in themselves. Right. No matter what the, what the price. So they have qualified themselves. Yeah. So I thought it was very interesting, very, um, you know, interesting way to go about selling a book. To, mm-hmm. you, and you could really do this with just about any lead magnet. Like, you know, there's probably ways you could 
take this same idea and make it digital because I'm, you know, this is a physical copy that's going to get shipped, which you could make that Mm -hmm. true with any, any book. You just get it printed. Yes. It's just an interesting way. It's just thinking a little bit outside the box. I don't know how well the campaign did. Um, I haven't seen the ads in a while, so it may have bombed, Mm -hmm. but it's definitely something worth considering and looking at. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's all a book is like we said, he's, he's, um, he's creating a high value or, you know, a high end lead magnet. I mean, that's, that's all. There and is you can to. tell his target market is, is, I mean, he says down here, like he's pretty much going after high end people. I mean, you yeah. see his testimonials, you see, you know, I've worked with PGA, NBA, NFL, and MLB Olympics. So he's kind of going after that executive mm-hmm. professional, you know, those types of people. So it would make sense then that they would, buy this type of book. Right. Yeah. So absolutely. So that was one thing I saw this week. Mm-hmm. Um, another one that I sent you a couple weeks ago was this article from the hustle mm-hmm. that I saw. It's called how Ikea tricks you into buying more stuff. <laughs> yeah. And if you've been to Ikea, you probably can guess. Um, but this was interesting. Six out of 10 Ikea purchases are unplanned. Yeah. That's pretty high. That That is. I mean, at the grocery store, you think about going to the grocery store, it's probably 10 to 20% maybe of the items are impulse unplanned, Mm -hmm. if that. So to have 60% of purchases be impulsive is is pretty interesting. And basically the way they did it, they showed typical um, layouts of department stores, grocery stores, things like that. And then what they have is they have a gauntlet basically. (laughs) And Jonathan, this reminded me of the commissary in the military. Oh, okay. I don't know if you remember, but yeah, at least the commissary I was at, it was one way. All the aisles were one way. Yep. And you had to go up and down the aisles Mm -hmm. in order. Mm -hmm. That was more for efficiency. This is to get you to buy. And it, the big idea here is because it's one way and you can't really circle back very easily mm-hmm. or it feels like you can't, you actually could, but it feels like you can't. What the, what happens is you're like, if I pass this item, I don't want to have to trek all the way back through the store and find it again. Mm-hmm. So let me just go ahead and throw it in my cart. I can decide later if I want it. Ah, Okay. And then by the time you get there, you're, you're now attached to this item that's been in your cart for an hour. Sure. Because yeah. it takes you three hours to get to the store. Yeah. And now you go ahead and buy it. <laughs> so the idea is it, it you feel bad putting it, putting it back in a place it doesn't belong, right? Right. And you don't want to go all the way back to the store. And you did kind of like it after all. Sure. And the other thing is you'll put it in your cart because you don't want to make the trek backwards. Yeah. So... Uh, I thought that was, that's really kind of the biggest point is so how, I don't know how exactly how you would apply that to, you know, different businesses and different things. Um, it's, it's just a type of urgency mm-hmm. or, yeah. or fear of missing out that if I don't grab this now, yeah. you know, I may not be able to come back or it's going to be too much hassle to come back. Right. So that's really all it is. You know, timers try to do that. Um, they get into psych, some psychological stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the Gruen effect, which is the layout of the store is so bewildering that it makes you forget the original reason you came there leading mm. to impulse buys. <laughs> I 
I think um, I do think that Your Home Depot and Lowe's. I've never heard of that. I know that was a new one for me. Um, but I think that kind of happens in some of these big box stores, the really big ones, because yeah. you go in Home Depot, you're looking for whatever, a box of screws. Mm-hmm. And if you're not in there on a regular basis, you know, if you're a homeowner, like if you're a contractor, you know where it is, you kind of run in, you get it, yeah. you come out, maybe you grab something else. Um, but for the most part, you kind of know what you're after and you can get it. But as a con- if you don't go in there every day, it's, there's a lot of stuff going on mm-hmm. and you kind of wander up and down the aisles trying to find the one right. thing you're looking for. And then you see the other stuff you just kind of have. Mm-hmm. But this is even more strategic than that because it's, it feels like you can't go back to it. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're going up and down aisles in Home Depot, they're all laid out. You know, you're going to come back past the same aisle right. that you just went past. So yep. you can try it again. So this is, that's the big thing. Um, these were some other things that I thought were very interesting. And I had not noticed this going through Ikea, but strategically placed mirrors so that, you know how when you go through Ikea, they have the rooms set up, like the oh, bedrooms, the yeah. dining rooms. Right. Apparently, they strategically place mirrors so that you see yourself in the room and then subconsciously, like, identify with being in that room. Sure. Yeah. That's pretty wild. That is wild. It's like, man, there's so much going on. Um, Contextual positioning. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, rooms are set up exactly as they would be in a natural setting. Mm-hmm. So it feels like an actual room and not pieces of a room. Like, you know, if you go in target in the furniture section, all the chairs are together, all the desks are together, you know, all the bookshelves are together down an aisle. But if you go to Ikea, they have these rooms set up. The whole room is furnished. It's got the lamp. It's got everything. Sure. So you see it in context and you're like, yeah, that would look good on a nightstand. I never yep. thought about that lamp on a nightstand, but that does look good together. Mm-hmm. And then you go across the aisle, which is usually where they have either the stock or you pull a little certificate if it's a bigger thing. To, mm-hmm. So you can go get it in the giant warehouse. Um, but if it's a smaller thing like a lamp, it's usually across the aisle and you just, you go grab it. But it lets you see it in the right setting. Um, you know, and a lot of companies are now trying to do that digitally with augmented reality where you can you know, hold your phone in your room and it'll show the item in your space. Yep. So they're, that's basically the digital version of what Ikea has been doing for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the dump bins, Ikea places overstuffed crates of dirt, cheap products, toys, slippers, pillows right. along the route to enforce the idea that, that its products are a good deal. So they have low price points, uh, kind of like in caps, right? I mean, these yeah. are in caps and regular yeah. other stores where you have, like if you want to get a deal going through Target or Walmart or anywhere, really, mm-hmm. grocery store, shop the end caps, the end of the aisle. Mm-hmm. That's where they put all the sale items. Yep. Because that's what you're most likely to walk by if you're just trying to get through the store. So they they put the lowest price stuff there to catch your attention. It's uh, kind of like a it's kind of like a subhead on a sales letter. Sure. Yep. It's there to kind of slow you down, mm-hmm. grab your attention, absolutely, and get you to go in. So that's some of the. Uh, you know, that's some of the ideas. There's some other stuff here about Ikea. Um, for instance, I thought this was interesting. They actually have dropped their prices over time, even with inflation. Wow. So their, their chair, their most famous chair, which it used to be in 1994, it was $179, which would be $340 today with inflation. But today it's $129. <laughs> 
So not only is it cheaper than it used to be, it's even way cheaper when you figure in inflation. And that's true for their most popular bookcase. Um, uh, yeah. It was $82 in 1985. It's $50 today. Sure. Yeah. It's crazy. That is crazy. So that's, that's the other way to keep you buying is they just keep driving prices down. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, this was interesting. If you build your own stuff, you have a, you put a higher value on it than if you don't. Oh yeah. Yep. We've talked about that in the past. Yeah. I think we've, yeah. So once you get it home, you think it's worth more than it actually, Mm -hmm. than what you actually paid for it because you had to put it together. Yep. So those are some of the tricks that uh, Ikea is playing on you. So don't be taken in, man. Plus they sell meatballs and stuff. So, and then, uh, yeah, I didn't, I, didn't, this is, I didn't realize Ikea had a restaurant. I mean, I, you did not know that. I did not know that. I don't, it gets, don't it, go in gets, a Ikea very, I don't think I've been yeah, in Ikea I mean, in forever. Well, so. there's not one in, in the Knoxville area. So it's yeah. part of it. Yeah. There's it's, I actually think the restaurant gets a lot more hype. Like at, every time I've been to an Ikea, they're not very, the restaurant's not very full. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure why they get so much hype about the restaurant, but interesting they do. Um, all right. So the last thing I wanted to cover was, um, alien swarm. So this was, yeah. So this was, um, this is South by Southwest week or two weeks here in Austin. So we're staying away from downtown because there's like 250,000 extra people down there right now, which the city's loving because it's the first time in two years, three years, I guess we've, we've had it. Right. Um, but on Sunday night, apparently, I did not see it. I just saw the article afterwards. They created a, one of the, um, who was it? Is it Paramount or? Yeah, Paramount um, Network. They have the new Halo series coming out, like the video game. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen that. So what they did to promote it, they launched a giant dwar- drone swarm. Mm-hmm that formed a giant hovering QR code over the city of Austin. That is crazy. And it's, it was 300 by 600 feet. So it's massive, two two football fields wide and 300 feet tall. So it had a giant QR code just hovering up in the air (laughs) that was scannable. And I actually, I tested this out. You can actually scan it on the picture on the computer and it'll pop up the, uh, (laughs) the halo promotion. I'm going to verify this. <laughs> Cause I already tried it. Cause I was like, I wonder if I could scan that. Sure enough. I could look at that. Wow. And then what they also did that is crazy. they did text with it as well. So it went crazy on Twitter. So, um, you can't see it from that one. But yeah, after they did like, um, Halo the series e streams or Halo the series streams March twenty fourth, and then they did the Paramount logo as well with the swarm. Yeah, so pretty cool. That is but the cool. comments on Twitter. So if you look up Halo drone swarm on mm. Twitter, um, you'll see the comments are just like sounded like a swarm of bees times a thousand. Mm. Um, it felt like, uh, we we're, you know, being invaded. It's like, Oh my God, shoot me now. <laughs> like all kind, you can imagine the full, the full response from, from everybody was like, is this good? Is this bad? Like sure. one person was like, 
you know, you could use this in warfare as a cyber attack because everybody would scan it if they oh, saw it in the air. Wow. And you could infect you could infect everybody's phones instantly oh with the right gosh. code. You know, and it's like, yeah, you, you're kind of right. So yeah. so I think this is a, a cool marketing stunt, which is what you would expect for South by Southwest. But I can't see this ever like actually taking off, especially for the right for the risk reasons. Right. I think people would get trained pretty quick not to scan it. Mm-hmm. Um, if one big, you know, malware attack happened, the stunt uh, would yep. be over. Yep, that would be it. Yeah, done. Um, but <laughs> and then I was like, "This is, you know, this is crazy. It's polluting the sky." And I was kind of thinking about it, but I was like, "You know, this happens at the beach every time I go to the beach." <laughs> When the little plane flies by with the banners that says "Eat at Joe's Crab Shack" or sure, yeah. you know, where go wherever for dinner or whatever concerts playing, like you're sitting there on the beach minding your own business, enjoying the waves, and all of a sudden, prop plane comes across with a giant banner, <laughs> selling trying to sell you something. So, nothing new, just new technology uh, to make it happen. But yeah. you know, it is it is kind of cool and to. Sure. You know, yeah. I think that you can organize um, that many drones to create a picture that is scannable. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's pretty, it is pretty, it pretty is. interesting. I My question how many, is how many people, you know, Texas open carry state, right? I mean, how many people yeah. are taking shots? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, hopefully not too many the bullets. The bullets could land anywhere. So you wouldn't want that. Oh, wow. Um, all right, what is this? All right, so this is um, <laughs> the last thing, and we'll, this is appropriate because I'm I'm almost out of beer myself. <laughs> this is one of the new emojis that yeah. got approved this week, and it's a it's a pint glass that is on its side. For those listening, it's a pint glass that's on its side. And it's pouring out the last little bit of we don't know if it's wine, if it's blood, some type of reddish burgundy colored liquid is coming out of this glass. And that's one of the new emojis that just came out. So wow. that has nothing to do with persuasion, um, but it is a pint glass. So I thought it was kind of interesting. Emoji being to, on, you can put it on your phone, right? I mean, yeah. So it, I think it's one of the iPhone emojis. Wow. Um, but you know, there's a whole spill. Like, there's like a whole board <laughs> that approves these emojis. So like right. a group of people said, yeah, that's a good one. Let's, let's go with that. Yeah. Of all the things submitted, that's one of the ones they were like, yeah, that's, that's a winner. Let's use that. Yeah, really. I mean, it looks like one of those like magic trick type glasses that you would set on a table. So it looks like a fake spill. Yeah. So it looks like it doesn't look like also a sliding board got approved. Um, I must have to update my phone. Cause I don't see those. Some, yeah. I think it's, yeah. I think it's with the latest update. Gotcha. Some type of finger heart emoji, um, a mirror disco ball. Got mm-hmm. approved. I can't believe that wasn't already one. Yeah, really. Um, a lip bite. <laughs> see where that's going. <laughs> and then a, a troll got approved. Um, well, there's a lot of those know. nowadays. So that I'm, I'm actually surprised is, that's not been around. <laughs> yeah. What, but what's interesting is most people, have you heard the new thing where, um, oh, what's it called? It's um, goblin mode. Have you heard about this? Goblin? No. It's when you decide to like just throw on some sweats and just eat and sit on the couch and do nothing. Basically, <laughs> it's called going goblin mode. Going goblin. Like you just okay. All right. you just not going to take a shower. Just eat, 
<laughs> not dress up, like just goblin mode. Okay. So they actually think that that's what a lot of people are going to end up using this for. Okay. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how, how people decide to use these different things. I think there's one more. Yeah. An empty jar was the last one. <laughs> empty Just mason an empty jar. mason jar. That's it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So okay. these are what people in our world think are important <laughs> to improve in the emoji landscape. So, Who sits on this board of I don't know, man. Decision makers. I don't know. It is. Uh, <laughs> it's it's kind of scary to think that there's people out there and they all together decide, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. You know, I was so, thinking the, um, the QR code, the, the drones making the QR code, boy, there's mm-hmm. a story right there that you could use for copy, right? I mean, you House. could use it in some way. I'm sure I haven't thought, but yeah, I'm going to snag that and uh, somehow yeah, incorporate that into some sales copy. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's I mean, gotta the, be the a headline's way. good. The headline's great. Alien Dwarn Swarm. Yeah. It's hard Sorry, to say. Straight, out of, straight out of the Globe swarm. or the Inquirer, but yet it's true. I mean. Yeah, it was a Hollywood reporter, so close. <laughs> um, from giant hovering QR code over Austin to promote Halo. Here's the subhead. I got scared and ran inside. Texas locals were very sleek, freaked out, annoyed, and impressed by a 600-foot-wide <laughs> drone swarm marketing stunt. Yeah. Wow. That's fun. Like, somebody was literally scared, and they ran inside. So, you know. <laughs> Probably not what you want Invasion. to do marketing. Right. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I have to admit it's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, we talked about it earlier. It's like the return of the QR code, right? It's back. It's back. It's, back. it's the biggest comeback of uh, oh, I know. of the last 10 years. It's, um, it's funny because they're, um, they're incorporating that. It used to be a trend or it, it was a starting trend for, I know some, uh, so I talked with a one company today that does uh, these crazy, and they have like a really super niche market. It was on my podcast, but they make these composite urns for people that uh, decide they're going to, just, you know, get burned instead of buried. <laughs> yeah. I think so, it's called cremated. Cremated. Is the term. <laughs> so, Your you know, Southern they, Baptist roots are showing, man. <laughs> these, these fancy urns and you can get them personalized. So some of these are really nice. They're like, uh, um, like composite marble that yeah. you would display on your, um, you know, your, uh, on your, uh, fireplace mantle. You put it yeah. up there. But anyway, you can put, uh, you can personalize these now with uh, QR codes and everything. So people can just scan it. It ties to like a video or a, you know, a video story of your life that That is wild right up there printed on the, uh, printed, printed on that little urn, that little block urn. So pretty cool. I wonder if I can get a, like a QR code tattoo (laughs) (laughs) and link to like, Instead of handing out a business card, you're just like, no, scan my Scan code. my arm. Hey, there's an idea. That's a great yeah. idea. As long as the service doesn't go out of business that hosts it. That's be, right. That's right. Be all right. But, Very cool. And then when it does, it's like, yeah, you know, 2022. It was, it was cool back and, then. And the resurgence of QR codes, because this is nothing new, but I think no. it's the technology used to be, you know, we talk about like in marketing like the more things that you challenge me that I have to do, the worse your marketing is, right? The more resistance right. you're creating with a customer. So what, yeah. what was kind of, what, how, why did QR codes falter in the beginning? 
Well, you had to go, you had to download a special app for right. a QR read. You had to download a QR reader. Now the, now the camera knows. Now the camera's automatic. Your camera, yeah. your built-in camera automatically can look at a QR yep. code and pull it down instantly. So, And everybody knows how to pull up their camera. That's right. In, almost instantly. Absolutely. Right? Yep. So all you got to do is pull up the camera, hold it, and it, mm -hmm. it knows it. Yep. Um, so yeah, so they, they just, the camera got smarter. Yep. Camera got smarter. And less resistance, less friction. And the less friction you create in your marketing, the more people will, you know, take advantage or do what you want. So, yeah. But I have to give it to the, the, the people at Paramount, you know, for doing this giant QR code. Mm -hmm. uh, it worked. It worked. Like it got attention. Well, it got attention for sure. I mean, you, you look know, up in the air the and you see part. something like that. Wow. I, mean, I would love to have seen that, just the scale of it. I mean, so they said it was like, 300 feet tall, um, which is the height of the Statue of Liberty mm -hmm. for perspective. Yeah. So that's crazy. That's a big, even if it's up in the air, that's, yeah. that's a big code. I mean, and you can kind of tell looking at the, at the picture on the website, it's, mm -hmm. it's bigger than the buildings below it. So wow, it's, it's big. I mean, that's a, I mean, 300 feet is a what, 30 story building. Yeah. It's big. Hovering in the air. So it, that big. is kind of like an alien spaceship coming. Yeah, it is. Coming after you, <laughs> you know, so good on them. I mean, like I said, I don't, I don't know how many times you could get away with something like that. Like yeah. it's kind of a, how many, but it could be great for festivals. It could be great for mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Sure. Where there are large groups gathered. And, but yeah. again, I, th I think the one comment I read was kind of right. Is like, you got to be wary before you just scan that and click on the link because you don't, you don't actually know where it's going. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, so they may have to put more text around it to tell people where it's going, but even then that could be faked. So, right. All right. We beat Crazy. that one to death, but good stuff. <laughs> good stuff this week. It was. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good flight for, uh, for this week. So, uh, enjoyed it to all of our listeners. You can find us over at persuasion by the You can find us on all of your platforms, Stitcher radio, iHeart, Spotify, you name it. Or uh, maybe we should come up with a QR code that you can uh, just <laughs> click on. You can just hit it. <laughs> we need so, an audio, an audio QR, QR code, code. Yeah, an audio QR code. There you It'll go. take them to the YouTube video. There you go. That's good. I like that. It's got to be a pot. It's got to be possible, right? You hold your, <laughs> you hold your phone up to the audio sound, and it would take you to a website. Well, you know what is it? Uh, Shazam? Is it that? Uh, yeah. The pro what is, is that? Shazam? Yes. Yeah, Shazam. Yeah, it used to be Shazam. Yeah. Well, I still use that for whenever I hear a um, a song that I cannot remember. What do I do? I go to Shazam. So, so there, there's an idea for somebody because I'm not going to do it. But audio Absolutely. QR codes. Yep. Who is that? Who is that? Hold it yeah. Or just this weird sound and like it would just take you to wherever it needs to go. That'd be, that'd be kind of cool. Well, guys, we enjoyed it. Have a great weekend and we'll see you all next week. See ya.